The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $5 level. I Rebel, Dean Donian, Jed Winters, Joey Sirico, Resident Evil Collector on Instagram, Wilshire, Link, Marty Thompson, Double Ugly, Bendito Benito, AJ Olson 11, Pixel.Wav, Austin Reynolds, Pedro Marquez, and CubeDude22. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. Anyway, Mike, that's how Franklin the turtle became the head of the largest Ponzi scheme in North American history. Wow, you know, good for him finally getting the cashing in on that uh, on those memes. Oh, oh, we're live, Neil. Oh, well, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. Gotta say, feeling a little congested right now. The allergy season in Toronto is fierce, so I took an Advil cold and sinus, but it was one of those mixed boxes where some of it's nighttime, some of it's daytime. <laughs> I don't know which one I took. It was kind of a Russian roulette of Advil, so we're going to see how this goes, but it was, a, it was a nice flavor, actually. I held it in my mouth a few seconds too long. Kind of like a vanilla taste to it, if you will. Ooh, a vanilla? Well, I, I think they're sugar-based, the, uh, the outsides in them, a little bit. That's true. Yeah, I think everything, especially things that taste bad, should have some kind of vanilla coating because vanilla makes everything taste better. Definitely. Like ice cream. Like ice cream, Neil. Um, I have a question for you. Uh, I've had this question before, but I'm going to ask it to you. Do you bite your ice cream? Who does that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes I'll bite my ice cream. Like, like not the cone part, but like, like an ice cream cone or like, are you talking about an ice cream sandwich or just any? No, no. I'm talking about like, you know, I, I get, I get my scoop. Uh, in my ice cream, in my, in my cone. And sometimes to just start off, I'll just do, do a couple bites. Doesn't it hurt your teeth? Yeah, probably. But I'm a monster, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> probably. I bet your dentist is like, you bite ice cream, don't you? You're one of these guys. I'm like, oh, damn it. And they give you the fake floss. No, I do not bite my ice cream. I might bite an ice cream sandwich if I'm feeling dangerous because maybe I just have more sensitive teeth than you do. That's That's no surprise. I do have a receding gum line. Thank you to my Gilbert genetics there. But no, an ice cream cone, no, 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 no. I never I never bite it. I only, I, I lick it until it's gone. And then I bite the cone when there's maybe a bit of ice cream left in that. I have to, I can't lick a cone down, that's for sure. Sure. Uh, but no, I do not, but my first, my first instinct when I see an ice cream cone is not to bite it. So that, you need to be assessed for that. Now, I will say, I usually get, uh, like, sherbets and sorbets for ice cream, which are mostly ice. Yeah. So okay. I feel like that's a little more because like it's um it's not as creamy, you know. But it's colder. It's colder theory. for sure. It is colder for sure. But it's it's harder to just lick ice than it is to you know lick like a, a creamy like a, a a creamy ice cream if you if you know what I'm saying. I can see where you're coming from there because like when I think of a snow cone, my my instinct is to bite that. Exactly. See? Okay. There you go. There we go. Okay. Not that crazy. I guess not. So (laughs) overall, what is your favorite? I don't think I know this about you. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Do you have one or do do you like a just a fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy? Rainbow sorbet for sure. Rainbow sherbet, sorbet, any of those. I I have a hard time eating normal ice cream. Uh, Well, it depends because so this is apparently a thing. I didn't know this. I thought this was just me being weird. But uh, there's a chemical in a lot of uh, crappier ice creams, basically, so to speak. And uh, this chemical is usually found in milk-based ones. And it's, I guess, to keep the milk from, 
not expiring. I don't know if there's any ice cream experts out there, they can tell me what it is. It's like starts with a B or something. And oftentimes that will make me cough a lot uh, and oh. kind of not close up my throat, but I just am coughing all the time afterwards for like 20 minutes. So it's not great. So I usually, if I'm at a, like a standard ice cream store, I'll usually get uh, a sorbet or sherbet because they don't have uh, very much milk in it or no milk in it. Mm. Uh, so I'm usually safe that way. But if I go to something like Quartha Dairies, which is near yes. us, which is, a, a, you know, they make their ice cream there by hand. It's it's really good ice cream for the most part. Those I can, I'm, I'm safe with. I can I can go ham on whatever Rocky Road or something. Ooh, yeah, Rocky Road's good. Yeah, that's like the thing that I always recommend people like coming to Ontario, like try and experience. It's like if you can't get to the CN Tower, it's fine. Like at least try and have us have a, at least go to Quartha Dairy. Please go to a place that has a Quartha Dairy <laughs> sign on the window. Like you're doing yourself a favor for sure. Like Quartha Dairy, any thing you can't go wrong like a vanilla scoop of Kawartha dairy is just bliss like it's like pure taste of ontario right there so yeah anything Kawartha dairy you're, you're bound to, to hit for sure I, I was always a mint chocolate chip guy when i was a kid uh mm. mint chocolate chip oreo ice cream for sure and then oh, chocolate yeah. or vanilla i couldn't get around uh, strawberry ice cream i don't know why when it was a part of neapolitan though that's when i yes. could have it like definitely then 100 percent agree on yeah, its I own just... no, no 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 on its own no but strawberry like a part of the vanilla and chocolate trifecta that's when it was better for me yeah, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's weird how that works. But uh, yeah, I, also on the topic of ice cream. Yeah. Why do all ice cream trucks look the same? Yeah, I was thinking about this the other day. This is my note here, and like I, it's funny that you bring up ice cream because I saw an ice cream truck on, on the roads because I live close to the beach. So naturally, there's ice cream trucks everywhere, and they've had the same design since the '90s. And then you go back again and you look at like pictures of ice cream trucks like post World War II, and like the the cars look different, obviously, but like the paint style, the font, the wording, like it's all the same. Who decided that this was the way that ice cream trucks were gonna run? And like no one thought to ever in, innovate on that. I'm really happy about it though. You know, as a designer, like mm. it's good to see some consistency in in our world. It, it, you know, I, I designers <laughs> like topsy turvy world. Yeah, we like to like take the chaos of design everywhere and kind of meld it into one nice compact design i think we can all agree though that whatever those sonic ice cream treats are that come out of ice cream trucks need to die <laughs> not the spongebob ones though those, those are great i love uh and the spongebob ones are always on the side of ice cream trucks now kind of painted on the same style as like the rest of the the, the popsicles and stuff i always yeah. like to see that yeah spongebob has become like a unison with the ice cream company there's always a yeah. spon- it's either spongebob sonic or a darth vader truck depending on i guess whatever the manufacturer oh. could get that day at that truck the darth vader ones were always pink or blue for some reason didn't look like vader at all Oh, yes. Okay, I know what you're talking about. Sonic looked like the original cut from a Sonic movie, so that doesn't look too great. And then SpongeBob was... SpongeBob always looked a little weird, but uh, he at least was like flat square you know it was you're off to a good start with spongebob because he's already ice cream bar shaped which is good exactly (laughs) and one more thing for ice cream is who has the balls to order two scoops of ice cream i gotta ask that Hmm. well what do you mean because it's like sometimes sometimes it depends on the cone because if you're getting like a large waffle cone one scoop is not enough so you need that extra scoop to get over the top but i agree that like two scoops on a regular run-of-the-mill cone it's dangerous that's for sure I've never seen a th- I've never seen a three scooper. That's like a cartoon character. <laughs> well, because the thing is, is like one scoop really means two scoops. Sure. In, in, in ice cream lingo, right? I guess they always yeah. say one scoop, and then it's like literally two scoops that they're taking. <laughs> because a kitty cone, that's one scoop. That's an actual just a single sure. kind of scoop in there. But yeah, 
uh, one, one scoop becomes two scoops, and then two scoops is like four scoops, basically. Yeah, anytime I'm asked, like, how much ice cream do you want, I really don't know the answer. Uh, I really just want, like, to like to tell the ice cream clerk, they're usually quite nice people, like, they're university or high school students, they're just trying to make some money for college, I get it. But, like, you see, like me, I'm a grown six-foot-two man, like, and if, I, if, I'm, if I'm giving you seven bucks for an ice cream cone, just give me, like, what you think seven dollars for a grown man of ice cream should be. <laughs> uh, I don't want to have to make that decision anymore. I think that that's probably one of the few adult decisions I'd rather not make. Yeah, let's uh, let's leave that up to the the kids out there. Yeah, yeah. This topic went way too long for an opening topic, so let's dive into a Patreon topic. Mike Jed Winters writes into us today. Remember, listeners, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube is cool. Supporters at the $5 or above level get their names read in the credits, the show a little bit early and ad free, and the option to submit an opening topic like ice cream if you so choose. But Jed went another route today. Jed wants to know, what are your top five TV, movie, slash video game villains? Jed has to go with The Joker obvious reasons from of course batman homelander jed's currently watching the boys season three and i feel like he's someone fans love to hate shout out to anthony Starr, who does a fantastic job with this character Mm -hmm. Uh, jed's third choice is venom tragic villain good guy but possessed and turns bad green goblin also from spider-man uh basically the same as venom and then waluigi of course everyone's favorite wah brother uh does he qualify as a villain maybe not but who's gonna stop me great list jed those are all (laughs) terrific terrific villains what about you, Mike? Who are your top five favorite villains from the fictional universes of our lives? <laughs> well, great question, Jed. Thank you very much for, for asking us this today. I got to go with number five, Vicky the Babysitter oh. from uh, Fairly Odd Parents. She's just the worst. Yeah, she's just na- she's just naturally evil. Like, But the thing that makes yeah. her more evil is that she's very manipulative of everybody around her victims. So like, everybody thinks that she's like this sweet person, but then when... When the, the the parents, I suppose, are gone, she turns into the villain. Yes, yeah, she's, she's a sociopath. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good one. I like the song about her, the Icky Vicky. <laughs> she is Icky. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, the dad from Codename Kids Next Door. I think is I forget what his actual name is. If it's okay. like Papa or like it's it's the. That's Stranger Things. I should have done more research for this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. It's kind of like Stranger Things. It's I'll, I'll look this. I'll come back to this. L- okay. I'll, I'll come back after. But number three is Ursula from Little Mermaid. Oh, nice. No, another good song. Yeah. Another great song. And she's just terrible. You know, it's, it's her hers. Another manipulator. Mm-hmm. Another, I, I, another sociopath. I like her uh, her flotsam and jetsam, the eels that she has. Those are really cool. I love the animation of those two characters. Uh, she's great. Like the tentacles and everything. I think that that was like an... That was a really big oh, yeah. step forward in animation back in the day. It was. And as a kid, I really did hate her. So uh, <laughs> props to the animators and props to the voice actors for creating her. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, I would say, because I wanted to include a video game one in here, is the psychiatrist from Alice Madness Returns. Oh, okay. I, I vaguely, I don't think I, did I beat Alice Madness Returns? What happens to the uh, psychiatrist in the end? Is it kind of like a Until Dawn situation? Well, you know, he, I think he does die, but hmm. basically, like, spoiler alert, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> but basically the psychiatrist is, uh, he's trying to help Alice figure out what's going on in her life because she's like going between the real world and Wonderland. And it kind of gets revealed that the psychiatrist was into some really creepy stuff and I'm not going to spoil any more, but it's really, really dark stuff. 
And I was kind of taken aback when I first saw it. I was like, wow, this is this guy's evil, like pure evil. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought he was written really well and a super dark character. So, yeah, that's uh, one of my favorite uh, video game villains. Nice. They need to they need to make like a remaster or re- I guess a remaster would be fine for current gen consoles. It's, that's one of the really sad uh, seventh generation games that's just stuck back there. Needs to come up for sure. Yeah. What's your what's your number one, Mike? Who's the biggest villain of all time, in your opinion? My number one is definitely the walrus from Pingu. <laughs> okay, what did the walrus from Pingu do? Now, folks out there, I'm not sure if you remember this, Neil, but there is that one episode of Pingu where there is a giant walrus in Pingu's dream slash nightmare. I think the episode is called actually called Pingu's Dream. And this thing is the most nightmare feel thing of all time. It oh my God, scared yeah. me so much as a kid. Uh, I really, really hated it, and it actually got censored. Uh, many young viewers, as well as some fans, found the walrus frightening. Uh, Pingu's dream actually had an unofficial ban on syndication. Yeah, it's like this giant Play-Doh-looking brown thing with a big, big mustache and human teeth. Oh my god, this is this is awful. This yeah, is just awful. He is the greatest villain. All he wants to do is eat Pingu. What has Pingu ever done? If you saw this at the end of your bed, that's not that's lights out. No pun intended. Like you're dead. You're gonna die <laughs> yeah. of a heart attack instantly. Oh my gosh, how did this make it to a kid's program? Yeah, I'm not sure who approved this, but someone oh. did censor it eventually. But while I look for the dad from Codename Kids Next Door, Neil, what, uh, what are your top five? I can't top the Rollis from Pingu. I don't even know where I'm going to start. But anyway, <laughs> my number five favorite villain of all time is Plankton from SpongeBob. Whether or not he's a villain, I don't know. I just love his motives in every single episode. He creates these elaborate schemes to try and steal the Krabby Patty secret formula. He's funny. He's overdramatic. I love the character design of this little tiny character. I think he's his, his voice actor. I don't know the name off the top of my head. I'm a failure there. But I think Plankton is just a terrific villain oh, in Mr. the SpongeBob Lawrence. cartoon. Oh, Lawrence. That Wait, what was it? Lawrence? Well, they always just credit him as Mr. Lawrence. But I Mr. Forget, Lawrence. Um, okay. What... Uh... Uh, I forget what his actual name is, but Lawrence. Okay, exactly. Mr. Lawrence. But he ends up being like basically the robot, dri- like a robot driver. He always ends up with a mech or something. And yeah. I just love Plankton the character. I think he's very, very cool. Uh, I'd love to see more of him in uh, in in the SpongeBob. I guess we have enough of him in in some ways, but I don't know where else you could show him. I guess in those Nickelodeon games as a fighter or something. But Plankton is my number five. Leading into number four, going to go into the comic book world here with Venom from uh, Spider-Man. We've talked a lot about Venom, obviously, with uh, one of our favorite GameCube games, Ultimate Spider-Man, where Venom is at his best. I, I always look forward to Venom anything, like the movies. I, I, I kind of like those. They're a bit of like a guilty pleasure movie for me. I love Venom at all of the old school SNES beat-em-up Spider-Man games. They're, he's really fun there. And uh, even like Spider-Man 3, not the best, but looking forward to seeing him, uh, what they're going to do with him in the uh, the new expanded universe, kind of tying Sony and Marvel together finally. And in the new Spider-Man game on PlayStation 5, we're, we're going to see Venom there too. Anytime Venom is in anything, I can't wait to see what they do with the character. Don't know much about him in terms of comic books. I've only read the original comics where he first showed up. But other than that, I really don't know too much about him other than he's just this big black alien and he likes to eat everything and he's super violent. And uh, I would just I just want to see R, an R-rated Venom anything in our lifetime. But we'll have to wait and see. When that when that movie came out and it was PG-13, a, a bit of me got let down. I'm not going to lie there. Yeah, but, some of me died for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Number three on my list is Voldemort from the Harry Potter series. We talked about Harry Potter just last week. 
Uh, and I, I love that character. I think Voldemort's a really cool villain. Actually, if I had to give a shout out to a secondary villain in the Harry Potter universe, uh, I'd have to say Professor Umbridge, who's just absolutely oh, yeah. pure evil. She's almost more evil than uh, than Voldemort at times, but Voldemort's just got that cool look. He's got no nose. Of course, every villain has to have their nose removed. <laughs> I wonder if they're going to have Voldemort in the upcoming game at all. I, I guess not. It's kind of pre-Voldemort, so... Mm-hmm. Probably not, but uh, Voldemort is my number three. Number two on the same wavelength as Jed there is the Joker from the Batman series. I love pretty much every iteration of the Joker from movies to comics to video games. I think my favorite is Mark Hamill's Joker from Batman the Animated Series slash the Arkham series. Uh, Really, really good. I know most people give a shout out to Heath Ledger. I do as well. I think that that's a fantastic performance. Obviously, The Dark Knight is my second favorite movie of all time, and that is mostly because of the Joker. Uh, I was like most kids in the 2010s in high school, uh, we had Joker everything, you know, posters and t-shirts, and whenever he was in a video game, we knew all the quotes, and everybody loved the Joker when Dark Knight came out. Which brings me to my number one villain of all time. It's got to be Darth Vader from the Star Wars universe. Uh, If you're listening to this podcast, you already know who Darth Vader is, so I'm not going to bore you with anything, but he's the earliest villain that I have in my memory when I was a kid. I dressed as Darth Vader. I wanted the red lightsaber. I I imitated the breathing everywhere I went, so number one choice has to go to Darth Vader. Circling back, Mike, tell me a little bit more about the dad from Codename Kids Next Door. Well, I, of course, would have probably picked all five of those as well. I'd love all five, but, you know, I want to be different, so I picked some, some odd ones, like the father from Codename Kids Next Door. That is his name, just father. And he is, yeah, he's like a black silhouette with a pipe always in his mouth. And he is the father, quote unquote, to the delightful children from down the lane who were like the main villains that the kids were always fighting. But yeah, he was always really scary to me. And I thought he was a really good villain. And I'm not sure who voiced him, but they did a great job. So yeah, big, big shout out to father from Codename Kids Next Door. Yeah, parent, per, a parental figure in a, in a show or a movie can always be either goofy, they can be dead, or they can be evil. And, like, all three are a good way to go. I'm more of a fan of the goofy dads in the cartoons, especially, like, the dad from, from Fairly Odd Parents is one of my favorite cartoon dads of all time. Dinkleberg. Yeah, Dinkleberg is number six on my top six <laughs> villains of all time. He's just trying to do good things. The, the, the nice neighbor is the, oh, man, I can't wait to be a dad someday and have a neighbor that I hate. I'm going to totally lean into that, but... <laughs> Great choices. Great, great topic too, Jed. Thank you so much for writing in. Listeners, remember, if you want to support the show on Patreon, you can do that. We also just put up a fresh episode on our Patreon where Mike and I reviewed part one and part two of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the series on Disney+. Plus. So go on over there and check it out. Yeah, we loved it. So that's yeah. that's the review. But if you want to hear more, <laughs> check it out on Patreon. This episode is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Our listeners have been using Manscaped products for the past few months and are joining the millions of people around the globe in the Manscaped community. And for another month, your body hair can be kept under control using our promo code GameCube at checkout. It's officially summertime and everybody talks about looking good for the warmer months, but few have the balls to do it. Well, it's time to nut up or shut up and take the easiest step to looking sexy this summer by using Manscaped. Manscaped's ultra smooth package makes sure you have the proper care for down there and their Boxers 2.0 gives you the perfect stage to show off your new look. These products may make you look hot, but your cleanly shaven nethers will keep you cool, and the Boxers 2.0 patented pouch technology will keep your boys from turning any beach day into swamp day. Dive headfirst into summer by joining the 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped, and get 20% off plus free shipping by going to manscaped.com gamecube. 
I am a huge fan of the Ultra Smooth Package, which is a specialized three-step groin shaving kit to help you buff, protect, and smooth your most sensitive areas. I'm talking Crop Shaver Razor, Crop Exfoliator, and Crop Gel. This kit is the perfect polish to make your family jewels shine. It's an amazing kit and has become a staple in my bathroom routine. You start with the Crop Exfoliator, infused with ingredients that can soothe, clear, and keep the skin on and around your groin feeling refreshed. The Crop Exfoliator can help reduce risk of ingrown hairs in your delicate places. Then you move on to the Crop Gel. You want to see where you're shaving with the clear shaving gel designed just for the groin. It's called your delicate area for a reason. This is one place you don't want to go in blind. Then it's time to shave. The Crop Shaver was designed for shaving the groin area with confidence. The razor with three precision blades, including extra wide lubrication strips and a pivoting head for the ultimate groin grooming experience. All three of these vegan, cruelty-free, and sulfate-free products are included so you know your manhood is in good hands and without compromise to the environment. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code GAMECUBE at manscaped.com. There are so few perfect summer days. Don't let hot, sweaty balls ruin them. Stay fresh, stay clean, and smelling good with Manscaped. And now, back to the podcast. The, the review is quite a bit longer than that, we promise. <laughs> but with that, Mike, I think it's time that we jump into the episode. What do you think? Let's do it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 104 of the GameCube School podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet. We're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 456 games. 456, make a wish. You can visit thegamecubeascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. Uh, and Eeyore. He, uh, he stayed behind and learned some coding. So Nice. Oh, um. Last week, we talked about the Harry Potter games to, on the GameCube to celebrate the 25th anniversary of the Philosopher's Stone book release in 1997. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are talking about Winnie the Pooh and a bunch of other kids' games on the GameCube. Uh, games that were targeted at the preschool or kindergarten audience rather than the edgy teens that the, that the devs were after in this gen. Uh, there were three North American GameCube games that we're going to be talking about today. Plus, for our European listeners, we're going to be talking about a PAL game that we just want to talk about because Franklin was cool. Uh, all these games are surprisingly pretty well put together in terms of production. Graphically, mm -hmm. I really don't have any complaints about any of them. Uh, the games all run super fine. How much content was in each of them is another story completely. Uh, but one thing I noticed about these games and the gaming industry in general in the early 2000s, Mike, is that the chill game genre if you will really didn't exist back back then like we had harvest moon and animal crossing and that was kind of it and then we had these slow moving you know light puzzles no combat games that were for the most part targeted at children you know like like what we're talking about today with winnie the pooh and uh and curious george but now if you go jump ahead 20 years you you look at these cozy games that we talk about mm. like all of these uh, like Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing are still around, but we have Stardew Valley and that Disney game coming out and just games that people can play chill-wise. Like, it's a complete genre that has captured a lot of adults and children in the industry. Yeah, it's really interesting how it's kind of evolved because you said that, you know, we had Harvest Moon and Animal Crossing back, uh, you know, 20 years ago, but but we really didn't, like, from a casual gamer perspective. we These were actually very, very niche games, for sure. Uh, the farming sim, I mean, we think of like Farmville and stuff like that when, when Facebook yeah. games were really big in like, you know, 
2009 or 2010. Uh, but uh, we didn't really, like with Animal Crossing and, and Harvest Moon, those were, yeah, relatively niche. They didn't sell that well, especially in North America, obviously bigger in Japan. But like, yeah, mm-hmm. now that that is the farming sim is a whole other genre with probably thousands of different entries into it. And I think that is really interesting how this kind of, yeah, like you said, cozy game or just the super casual game, like a like a journey, for example. Or we're getting yeah. that uh, that other Blanc is that that game that's coming out soon mm-hmm. that looks a little bit like that as well. Just um, uh, it's it's just the industry showing that it's growing a lot more. Where the industry was always niche and it was always trying to find niches in niches, basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny that like what what we what the industry thought to attract a mature audience was to go bloody and violent and sexualize characters, but actually what they had to do was make games chill that were also challenging yeah. in, in a different way if it was because of the narrative or because you know what the story is telling or character development that was the true way to do it not to say that these games did that per se but in a way if these games came out today and, and they were refined a little bit more and had a, a bigger story i think that they could do way better i think so too but uh let's let's dive into winnie the pooh in general because he is sure. kind of the main the main figure for today Mm-hmm. Yes, Winnie the Pooh is the star, or the Winnie the Pooh universe, if you will, is a bit of the star cinematic of the episode. Universe. The cinematic <laughs> Winnie the Pooh universe. We've got two games to talk about today, but Winnie the Pooh in general is the fourth highest grossing media franchise of all time, Mike. Wow. Just behind Mickey Mouse and his friends, and right ahead of Star Wars, which is wild. So what I'm hearing here is Disney owns everything. Disney literally owns, yeah, the top, I, th- I believe the top 10 highest grossing things other than Harry Potter. It's pretty much all Disney franchises at this point. Winnie the Pooh has grossed $81 billion since 1924, so it's almost 100 years old, which is nuts. Uh, almost all of that, 80.5 billion, is retail sales. So yeah, it's all yeah. stuffed animals, blankets, pillowcases, shirts, sweaters, mugs. Uh, very little of that, about a half a billion, is from box office revenue, VHS, DVD sales. Uh, because Winnie the Pooh movies, let's face it, they don't sell super well. The one that might have sold the best and made the most of that money would have to be Christopher Robin that came out a few years ago in theaters starring Ewan McGregor, mm-hmm. which is a really good movie. But not nearly did it, did not do nearly as well as the $80.5 billion that toys sold. It was good to see General Grievous in that movie too. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... Um... For me, Winnie the Pooh, I remember reading a lot of Winnie the Pooh books as a kid, especially when I was sick. My parents would bring me uh, this, like, we had, like, a big collection of Winnie the Pooh stories. I remember them reading them to me. And uh, I always had an affinity for Winnie the Pooh. And I really enjoyed kind of everything in that universe when I was a kid. And I have a funny story, too. Uh, I uh, saw, or I was going to see, I think, Piglet's big movie, because I think yep. that's like 2002. Well, and 2003, it's tied into the game that we're going to be talking about today. There we go. And I was, yeah, nine <laughs> or ten years old. And I uh, went with my mom, and she was taking me to see this, and it was sold out. So instead, wow. we went and saw the movie Ray with uh, about Ray oh, Charles, nice. starring Jamie Foxx, which is definitely not kid-appropriate, definitely not for a nine-year-old. <laughs> oh. But uh, <laughs> but I uh, I remember that, and I still enjoyed it. I think my mom was like, screw it. We're, I took this kid to the movies. <laughs> we're seeing something. Booked a day off work for this crap. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's I, I, I weirdly always associate Winnie the Pooh with that. And when I drove across the country last year, I stopped in – we stopped in White River, Ontario, which is actually where the bear – that Winnie the Pooh is based off of was found. Oh. And then, of course, we stopped in Winnipeg, and that's where the name 
comes from for Winnie the Pooh and the zoo as well. So uh, mm-hmm. at the Winnipeg Zoo, there is a uh, Winnie oh, the Pooh, and uh, that's A. A. Milne's uh, son, uh, I think yeah. Christopher, uh, mm-hmm. which is where Christopher Robin comes uh, comes in. Uh, saw the bear, and that's kind of how the the whole story started. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, the story created by A. A. Milne, who you said, and illustrated by E. H. Shepard. Someday I'd like to get big enough where I'm just known as my initials, N.D. Gilbert. I don't know what I have to do to get to that point. but uh, It's fine. I, mean, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, someday. Someday when we're big enough podcasters, that'll be it. And everyone will have to guess our middle names. That'll be a fun thing to do when we have <laughs> episode 5,000. That's when we'll do that. Sounds good. <laughs> yeah, but I don't. I, I remember my parents reading me Winnie the Pooh books and everything when I was a kid. I don't remember any of the stories exactly. I might have been either too young or I just wasn't paying attention. But I have very distinct memories of we owned one Winnie the Pooh VHS back in the day. And it was a winter-themed one. Uh, and I just remember watching it on repeat, really. And one part of it was everyone learning how to skate. I think it was Piglet learning how to skate because everyone knew how to skate except Piglet. And eventually he has to learn because someone's trapped on the ice and he has to skate to them to rescue them. And that's the whole story there. <laughs> uh, Piglet's a cool character. I like him. Mm. I like all the characters, honestly. Yeah, they're all really good. They're all based on like a mental disorder, which I think is really funny. Yeah. And then the second story in that movie was uh, something happens with it's Christmas. It's a Christmas story. I, I don't know like, the exact setup to the plot. Santa Claus is dead or something. And uh, <laughs> Winnie the Pooh has to become Santa for the night. I think it's because everyone wrote their lists into Santa and now he has to do it for some reason. Basically like the SpongeBob episode of, uh, of the Christmas episode of SpongeBob where, you know, everyone writes in their letters and then SpongeBob kind of takes the reins. Yeah, yeah. No pun intended. Uh, so that that's what I remember and him going to each each house like breaking in and everyone freaking out in different ways uh really really funny um but yeah that's kind of my only touchstone with the series really are the few books that one animated movie and then a whole lot of nothing for about 20 years until uh the christopher robin came out and i saw that in theaters with a friend of the show matt whitmire and i adored that movie i think it's really good i love the live action characters they're all like old stuffed animals basically um yeah i didn't i didn't actually see piglet's big movie did you go back and, and see it eventually mike I think I did eventually. I don't really remember it that well, but um, there are only six full-length movies, Neil. I was really surprised to to learn this. Uh, There's the 1977 movie, Many Adventures of Winnie the Pooh. That's kind of where all the characterizations of him ever since in games and movies and basically any uh, media have come from. Uh, And then we waited a long time and we finally got a 2000 movie, which was the Tigger movie. And this I also saw in theaters. I remember this one. Yeah, I remember that one too. And uh, 2003 was Piglet's Big Movie, like you said. 2005 was Pooh's Heffalump movie. Uh, And I remember that one too. I don't think – I think I was too old at this point. I think I was 12 years old. I I didn't uh, end up watching that. But uh, in 2011, we got Winnie the Pooh, just just Winnie the Pooh, kind of a reboot of sorts. And I don't remember that one at all. But, of course, 2018 was Christopher Robin that I did see in theaters and absolutely adored it like you too, Neil. Yeah, I have the same memory of the movies coming out. I remember Winnie the Pooh and the Heffalump, whatever that story was. I remember seeing movie posters there when we were yeah. going out to see Harry Potter or Twilight or whatever the heck it was coming out at the time. We were definitely past it at that point. But yeah, it's funny. Like, it's always been a part of our lives. And I think mm-hmm. there's like a horror movie coming out later on this year <laughs> or next year with Winnie the Pooh. So maybe that'll be our next Patreon topic. We'll talk about Winnie the Pooh, but uh, we'll have to see. <laughs> We'll have to see, but uh, of course there are, there's actually more Winnie Pooh games than there are movies, surprisingly. Uh, We have a 1986 game, Winnie the Pooh 100 Acre Wood, 
uh, for Apple II, Commodore 64, the Amiga, you know, the usual 86. <laughs> yeah, the usual suspects. Yeah. Uh, Tigger's Honey Hunt for the, uh, of course, made for the movie uh, in 2000 for N64. I always see this on N64. This would be yeah. really cool to play. Winnie mm-hmm. the Pooh Adventures in the 100 Acre Wood in 2000 for the Game Boy Color. We have Party Time with Winnie the Pooh, only for PlayStation 1 for some reason. Uh, Pooh and Tigger's Honey Safari uh, for the uh, for PC. <laughs> that sounds just like okay. an interesting time. Piglet's Big Game, of course, Rumbly Tumbly Adventure. Mm-hmm. And then my personal favorite here, Winnie the Pooh Home Run Derby <laughs> in 2007, which is a Flash browser game only in Japan. And just by the way, as an aside, uh, Winnie the Pooh is very big in Japan. Holy, this uh, this thing looks amazing. <laughs> For anyone out there, please look up Winnie the Pooh Home Run Derby. And okay. it did kind of come become a viral phenomenon because of its extreme difficulty, <laughs> <laughs> especially considering that its target audience is uh, young children. So I I, uh, I definitely had a good time looking this up and watching gameplay because, yeah, it looks really, really hard. The screenshots of this game look very good. Like the stills yeah. all look like they're hand-drawn almost, but then... Yeah, this looks challenging. This yeah. looks like a, this looks like it could be a fun app game. And of course, uh, Winnie the Pooh has now resided in the Hundred Acre Wood, but in uh, Kingdom Hearts three oh, and good. in the Kingdom Hearts series. So that's kind of where he lives now, which seems to be where a lot of Disney characters are going to die, like like <laughs> like like Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. So. That's their Florida. hundred acre wood is there florida and it's it's a hundred acre wood it's not hundred acre woods and i always get that messed up because i want to say a hundred acre woods it's probably like a way that you know if you're if you're from the hundred acre wood you say wood if you're not you say woods yeah yeah kind of like the beaches in toronto and and just toronto in general Mm -hmm. if you're from toronto you don't pronounce the second t yeah, we'll tell that to Kevin Hart and Woody Harrelson. But uh... oh man, that movie! <laughs> Don't get me started on that. But let's let's get started on a GameCube game. Finally, we'll talk about Piglet's Big Game, which was released on March nineteenth, two thousand and three. Developed by Doki Denki Studio, this is their last game. Sorry, guys. Published by Gotham Games. It's also on PS two, Game Boy Advance, Windows, and Mac OS. This game rates a seven out of ten. Priced today at around twenty dollars. And this game is an action adventure game. More emphasis on the adventure part. There isn't really much action there. It's uh, based on the movie that Mike talked about earlier, Piglet's Big Movie. And this game was directed by Ron Gilbert, who we talked about last week, Mike. Mm. You might remember. He's uh, currently directing that new game announced in the Nintendo Direct Partner Mini thing. He's working on Return to Monkey Island. That was like his creation. He worked on all the Monkey Island games back in the day. And uh, this is a game that he directed as well. So a big name in video games worked on uh, Piglet's Big Game. Well, that's good to see, and uh, no relation to you, unfortunately, but no. um, cool that he did this, because this actually isn't a bad game, uh, mm-hmm. necessarily. It's It was definitely way better than I thought. I did play it this weekend. I'd say one of the biggest cons of it is that it's not really a movie tie-in at all, despite the fact that it's Piglet's big game, the movie, the game. Right, kind of thing. based on the movie, directed based by Peter the... Jackson. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and like, they definitely sell it as is, but it's it's not that at all. It's got pretty good graphics, like you said. The All these games that we're going to be talking to yeah. today have really good presentation. I think this one especially looked really crisp. It played well. Christopher Robin, though, he sounds awful compared to the original character. He just sounded like... This kid trying to do a Cockney accent, like a, a, a child impersonating Michael Caine. Yeah, I heard that too, and it sounded like a like a woman trying to do a Cockney accent for a child, basically. And I, I don't know if the original voice of Christopher Robin was a woman anyway. That usually happens with boy characters in mm-hmm. in cartoons. But yeah, other than him, though, yes, all, all the characters 
sound great because they brought back all of the original voice actors who worked on the show and the movies from pretty much the 70s. Jim Cummings, huge shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Of course, John he... Fielder, voice piglet. Yep, yep. They're, they're all fantastic. And yeah, you could tell immediately as soon as you started playing, you're like, wow, this sounds like, you know, the, the actual characters. Like, this right. sounds good. They sounds like they did original voice acting and they got it done well. And then, yeah, Christopher Robin would show up and it sounded really bad. But luckily, he's not there for very long. And he's not as iconic of a character no. as the animals are, really. Like, you just need a young boy sounding person to play him. And then the rest of the characters you really need to nail. Because, yeah, their voices are actually quite distinct now that I was, you know, when I was playing it and listening, especially Piglet's. Piglet's is a really tough voice to nail down. Because Winnie the Pooh, you can go to, like, Pooh Bear. Oh, I'm a little <laughs> little rumbly in my tumbly. You know, you, know, you, you kind of just go uh, in a lower octave, basically. But Piglet, I can't even impersonate Piglet. It's no. it's really hard to do. And so, so, yeah, kudos for them actually getting the voice actors. You know the first thing I thought of? I'm not sure if you thought of this too, Neil. First thing I thought of with Piglet's big game in terms of the gameplay was actually Captain Toad. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. I didn't think about that. I really thought of like Banjo-Kazooie, but without the combat. That was yeah. kind of where I was going with that. But Captain Toad is a way better example because it's a character that really can't move. He's grounded. <laughs> yes. He looks like a toad and he's he's really just solving puzzles. The puzzles aren't as intricate as Captain Toad, but that's a great comparison. That's I, I just thought of that immediately because when I was playing it, my God, Piglet is slow. He's yep. very slow and very clunky. And Captain Toad, for those who don't know, of course, Toad gets his own game with this one, which was really fun. And it's basically um, a puzzle solver, somewhat platformer, but all in these really small spaces. And it works really well because he's a slow moving character, but you're not going very far. But right. for Piglet, like you said, Neil, it's basically a Banjo-Kazooie map. Yeah. So there's a lot to cover and a lot of things to collect, especially the cookies. You collected cookies to buy new combat moves, right. which is one of the biggest things in this game because this game starts off super easy, but it gets super hard really quickly, uh, which is, uh, well, super hard in my Super hard, but yeah, I was going to say. Maybe... For, for a game like this. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's super hard for a game like this because I wasn't expecting it. The difficulty level definitely spikes pretty hard, so you need to be able to buy these combat moves or else you're just doing like just small punches the entire game Hmm. it's interesting that you say that piglet moves really slow uh, because you get to play as three characters in this game piglet tigger and winnie the pooh sorry you're uh Mm -hmm. but piglet actually is the fastest moving character uh he's able to intimidate a monster by making scary faces uh if he gets scared by a heffalump or a woozle he can find christopher robin a christopher robin balloon to comfort him uh tigger can sneak around objects and avoid being detected by monsters he can he can stay out of flashlight beams uh he can also bounce around to go a little faster uh and then winnie the pooh walks around slightly slow and and dodges heffalumps um that he attracts uh, with his rumbly tumbly of course (laughs) But what really stands out for me in this game, less about the playable characters, and it's more what the game is about. And Piglet is basically dream hopping, like he's in Inception or something, going from each character's dream. And it's incredibly clever because uh, all the characters dream about different things, obviously, but the art style in each dream is also different, and the level design is different. Uh, Like, for example, you go to Pooh's dream, and everything is made of food. Like everything is candy, everything is everything is edible, and it's it's really bright and colorful because Winnie the Pooh is this you know he's the he's the 
the, I guess, optimistic one of the group. Uh, in Rue's dream, everything is made of cardboard, almost like Yoshi's crafted world because he's a kid. Like mm-hmm. he, he imagines everything being made of arts and crafts. Uh, Owl's dream world is somewhat terrifying. Uh, you're in this haunted <laughs> library. Yeah. He's incredibly knowledgeable and like knowledge is power, but it's also, I guess, a scary thing to be incredibly knowledgeable. Uh, it's actually a bit of a scary uh, level for kids, I would say. It's just the way that objects and size play into things. It makes it quite creepy, a little bit like Alice Madness Returns or something. I wrote the exact same thing, Neil, for that exa- yeah. that level. That was the first thing I thought of when I got there. I was like, oh mm-hmm. my god, why is this in a kid's game? This is literally <laughs> Alice Madness Returns. Yeah, because it's it's normal things, but everything is just off slightly, yeah. which is very creepy. And then you go into Eeyore's level, and it's a bit like Nightmare Before Christmas Halloween Town. You go into haunted forests and haunted houses. Eeyore's definitely my favorite character in the whole series. I don't oh, yeah. know about you. Me too. Yeah, awesome. I think that, yeah, for obvious reasons. Just. And then Rab- Rabbit's Dream World is like a giant garden because uh, he's a rabbit, so he dreams about having gardens. And then Tigger's Dream, uh, last one here. Tigger's Dream World is just all over the place. You go to different places because Tigger is just ADD. Can't focus on one thing for more than a second. You go to a giant carousel, to an Ice Age section, into a maze. Um, so I just love how all the dream worlds kind of capsulate all of the characters' personalities. Yeah, the, the the settings are really, really well done, I gotta say. I was really, really impressed with that, but I honestly was kind of getting freaked out seeing some of these worlds and seeing Piglet's faces that, mm, that he yes. makes to scare the, the enemies. They're actually terrifying when they they're are. put on the, these character models, which, you know, it's 2003, right? They're not great <laughs> character models. They look fine, but when you start adding these crazy expressions to them, and so with this, I wanted to go, I, I, I searched through the internets as you do and went through Reddit and went on some YouTube comments and so many people talked about this game and being like, yeah, I was terrified to play this game <laughs> as a child. Um, people saying, of course, the models of the characters were very discomforting. The stealth sections with Tigger and Piglet uh, scared the crap out of me. That's what uh, some people mm. said. And yeah, those were kind of scary. Uh, someone said, I could literally not go anywhere near the enemies and freaked out when they saw me and turned the game off. And Piglet's <laughs> faces were just horrendous. And it's like, yeah, they are really, really scary, for especially for like an eight-year-old playing this. Definitely, because he, bas- he basically stretches his face yeah. out like he's Mario at the beginning of Mario 64. Yeah. So his mouth gets absolutely massive and he like shakes it around like he's Andros from Star Fox dying. <laughs> uh, it's really weird. It's really creepy. It, and it's the only combat in the game, too. You really have to sneak around everything, basically, except yeah. for when you duel off against the Heffalumps. And he's in a dream and he's in a nightmare. And he's told that the only way to scare off a bad dream is to be scary yourself. And my God, he over he overextended himself by scaring scaring the Heffalumps away. That's for sure. Yeah. And that's why you need to kind of get these cookies to buy new moves so you can have different right. faces, basically. Mm. Uh, when you're scaring these heffalumps and other things. But yeah, it was um, quite the time playing this game. Uh, but I would honestly, well, we'll talk about these at the end, but I, I this is definitely one that I think I might recommend because it was pretty fun to play. I didn't get stuck anywhere, which is mm. most of the games we play. <laughs> There's usually something that's just broken. But yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, no, the game definitely looks terrific. Graphically, I think it's quite impressive, actually. Like we were talking last week about Harry Potter and how some of those games don't age particularly well. I think this game does. The characters all still look like they're what you imagine they would look like in a GameCube game. The frame rate runs pretty smoothly since there are not many enemies on screen at a time. And it also runs at a good frame rate because the level themselves move pretty slow. It's a slow-moving game. So with that, uh, everything looks and plays just fine. The only real issue that I saw was that load screens are frequent and they can be long. 
because yeah, uh, you have to move from level to level and the worlds are recreated every single time. So even though the GameCube is a powerful machine, uh, the load screens are frequent, which does get pretty annoying when you're playing a game like this. That was a con for sure. And the fact that this has no relation to the, the movie that it's based on uh, was definitely a con. But I'd say a pro, and my last kind of point here, would be that there's not really a HUD and I love that. And hmm. somehow, no GameCube controller is on the screen at all times. It's almost as if that they know that kids will figure it out if they're uh, left alone to their own devices. Yep, so good on them for doing that, because it, the first thing I thought was like, oh god, there's going to be a GameCube controller on the screen for the entire time I play this. Mm, yeah, but you were wrong. Thank you mm. so much, Doki Denki Studio. Sorry to hear that uh, this was your <laughs> last game, but uh, you put out a good one. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, excited to talk about our next Winnie the Pooh game. But before we do, let's hit the back of the case for Piglet's Big Game. What do you think? Let's do it. All right. But first, Victor, hit us with that sweet jingle. It's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. It's Piglet's big chance to be a hero. Pooh and his friends need Piglet's help to chase away the Heffalumps and Woozles. If Piglet overcomes his fears, he will prove that a hero is not measured by his size, but by his heart. Thanks, Piglet. Thanks, Piglet. Thank you so much for that tremendous lesson. But that's not the last Winnie the Pooh game on the GameCube, Mike. We did get another one, and that was Winnie the Pooh's Rumbly Tumbly Adventure, released on February 8th, 2005, developed by Phoenix Studio. Uh, they helped work on the Rayman series as well. Published by Ubisoft, this game is also on PS2 and Game Boy Advance. Rates a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $15. At first glance, this game looks like Piglet's Big Adventure. Like, graphically, gameplay-wise, it looks like a direct sequel, but it is not. It's made by completely different studios and based on a different... Uh, was there a movie called Winnie the Pooh's Rumbly Tumbly Adventure? No, it, but the Winnie the Pooh Heffalump movie had just come out. Weird that ah, they didn't yes. make a Heffalump game, but maybe because of the Winnie the Pooh, or because of Piglet's big game not being tied to the movie, they were just like, you know what, screw it. We're just going to make a random Winnie the Pooh game True. as the uh, as the movie comes out. And they did, which is fine. Um, you said that, yeah, it's, it's different developer, different publisher, but uh, this game actually did take the same engine. So uh, they, oh, okay. they did end up using the Doki Denki engine for this. And you definitely, yeah, you can absolutely tell. But Ubisoft just made some some tweaks and upgrades. And yeah, you said that uh, Phoenix Studios, who I think is a second party property of Ubisoft, uh, they, of course, worked on uh, Rayman. And you could tell that they did because a lot of the stealth missions and <laughs> platforming elements felt very much like Rayman or even like Beyond Good and Evil. Yeah, they look very similar. It's it's funny how Ubisoft was... They, they did make a few movie tie-in games and a few, I guess, licensed games back in the day, and it's interesting that Winnie the Pooh is one of them. But if you're interested in playing this game today and you don't want to pick up a GameCube or a PS2, the game has since been re-released on a few different platforms, which is funny. Uh, there's a mobile game titled Pooh's Honey Trouble, which was released in 2009 uh, for Disney Mobile Studios, which is a similar game. And then the game was re-released as a PlayStation 2 classic on the PlayStation Store back in 2013. So I guess that that's on the PS3 if you uh, if you so choose to pick it up there. 
Um, but yeah, it doesn't follow a movie at all. It's uh, actually Winnie the Pooh's uh, birthday. That's kind of the <laughs> birthday adventure, which is basically your story mode. Uh, Christopher Robin and Winnie the Pooh take an adventure in the woods. Pooh starts to feel hungry, as he does. I can relate to that. Yeah. It's a relatable story. Uh, Christopher Robin tells Pooh to uh, recall happy memories, and Pooh thinks that this is a good idea, uh, so he therefore does so. And that brings him on a whole bunch of different adventures to go and find food uh, in the woods, which, of course, spoiler alert, he eventually does. This game also has a junior mode, which I think is a terrific idea. And that's basically you play through the levels with no objectives. I think that this should be a mode in every video game. Agreed. hundred percent. This, so I did buy this game, Neil, uh, for $3 oh. for the GameCube. Ooh. Great pickup. I saw it in a DVD case, classic one of those. I was like, Oh, I'll just buy it. It's fine. Yeah. So I did buy it and I got to play it and I saw the junior mode. I actually didn't play junior mode. Uh, I should have though, but I, I did look up what it actually was afterwards. And yeah, that's a great mode. I love that they put that in. So good job, Ubisoft, on that. But um, I will say this game is actually worse in almost every way than oh. Piglet's Big Adventure or Piglet's Big Game. It right. uh, for, for one, the plot being it just all birthdays <laughs> that you're going yeah. to. Uh, you know, it's fine. It's a Winnie the Pooh game. And, and I do. It's kind of funny uh, when they, they do plot intros like that. I like to think that's almost like a mind over matter thing. It's like Winnie the Pooh trying to conquer his hunger <laughs> and be like, no, I don't need to eat this diet of honey all the time. Can't uh, be good for you. Exactly. That's a, that's, that's a, that's a lot of sugar, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's just not as, I think it's just not as fun necessarily to to go through it for piglets i definitely was going slower as piglet because winnie the pooh does move faster in this game yeah um but i just found piglet was a lot like captain toad where i kind of was slowly moving through each segment but having realistic goals the entire time and knowing that i did have to get those cookies to actually get combat moves and move on this one very much feels like an even more kind of kiddish uh, Winnie the Pooh game than Piglet's. Uh, of course, Piglet had definitely some scary ass scenes in it, but uh, this one, this one feels like they toned it down too much, you know? Okay, yeah, I definitely noticed that. Like Piglet has some puzzle solving elements and that that lovely uh, duel of Piglet's horrifying faces. But in the three hours that this game takes to beat, so I guess that's about a dollar an hour for you there, Mike. Uh, it's mainly just fetch quests, which makes it yeah. a very chill game. Like you're basically just going around collecting a few things, bringing them back to Christopher Robin or whoever it was, and then moving on to the next thing to go and find a few things and then bring it back again. I don't like fetch quests in video games. I like it to be one part of the game, but I don't need it to be the whole game, uh, even if it is only a three-hour experience. Uh, The game does feature mini games, though, which is where the challenge is, and it's mainly just single-screen challenges where you collect all the coins or the cookies or whatever it is on screen. Uh, You avoid the heffalumps and woozles, Uh, so it's not really like a Mario Party level design. It works just fine, but it definitely is extremely repetitive yeah i almost wouldn't want a kid to play this because i think they would get bored really fast because it's just not that objective based and i think a kid needs something that is very objective based to keep going and and honestly an adult needs that too um (laughs) one thing i really really hated though about this game was the fact that a core gameplay element is the fact that you have to find out what elements to hit to get honey and to get the honey pots because that's kind of your collectathon there. But right. uh, the game, well, the game tells you that it's supposed to be these glowing objects, but uh, I couldn't actually tell what was glowing and what wasn't. And I, I didn't know if it was my screen or what it was, because I'm playing on, a, of course, not a CRT TV. And I watched some gameplay and some reviews, and they said the same thing, that they were like, I just hit everything. I was like, okay, this is what I did. I felt like I was playing Dark Souls, honestly. Just like hitting, <laughs> looking for the hidden walls everywhere. 
Yeah, well, like everything has, uh, you're in the forest, right? So everything has like a greenish yellowish <laughs> yeah. hue to it. So it's already kind of glowing yellow. And, and the lighting in the game is actually pretty good. It is um, good, yeah. But if you're making everything glow slightly harder yellow, it doesn't it doesn't help you at all. <laughs> I did love the heffalumps though. I think the character like uh, the character models for the heffalumps were really really good. And mm-hmm. again, the presentation for all these games is very good. The voice actors are back here. Of course, I, saw, I heard Jim Cummings immediately. And I was yep. like, oh, thank God, we're good. Because <laughs> yeah, I think honestly, if any of these voice actors weren't in these Winnie the Pooh games, like they'd have like a four out of ten because you would just completely get taken out of it. Yeah, because at this point, the characters are 100 years old. Not that they've been talking for that long, but <laughs> as a Disney character, it's really hard to fake it in a video game. And it is. usually they don't. I know that we've talked about the Kingdom Hearts games. Not all the original voice actors come back for those games, but I think, I don't know if Jim Cummings does those games or not. He but... probably does. He does like almost everything Winnie the Pooh, I find. Yeah, yeah, that, that's good. I'm glad. That he's, he's like the James Earl Jones of the Winnie the Pooh universe. <laughs> I like to think that. <laughs> yeah, me too. But... Mike, with that, I think that we should read the back of the case for Winnie the Pooh's Rumbly Tumbly Adventures and move on to another franchise. What do you think? Well, my tumbly is getting rumbly, so let's do it. All right, sounds good. Join Winnie the Pooh and his friends on a great birthday adventure. Birthdays, honeypots, and heffalumps. Use Piglet and make scary faces to escape from heffalumps and woozles. Follow five different birthday adventures. And there's a bunch of other little words on there, too, but uh, that's, that's good enough for me. I need an Eeyore game. I was gonna. I was literally about to say. You also get to ride Eeyore, and for his mm. birthday uh, segment, I didn't love that. <laughs> I don't want to ride Eeyore. Eeyore doesn't want to ride you, uh, take you around places. He's, he's no. got to do his own thing. He wants to just hang and play some chill games in his in his pad. I need an Eeyore sim. That's what oh, I need. I would love that. That'd be really really good. But switching gears, Mike, to a different franchise from our childhood, we're going to talk about Curious George, which was released on February first, two thousand six. Developed by Monkey Bar Games, they also developed the Dora game that we talked about quite a ways back. They also made Flushed Away, which we'll talk about at some point in the future. Published by Namco, this game is also on PS2, Xbox, Game Boy Advance, and Windows. Rates a 6 out of 10, priced today at around $15, and this game is based on the movie, which is based on the children's book and TV series of the same name, written by Margaret and H.A. Ray. Uh, George is referred to as, George is the monkey in the book, and he's brought to uh, his home, he's brought to the big city by the man with the yellow hat. And I remember the series pretty well back in the day. But uh, what about you? Do you have any memories of the Curious George franchise? I do. I definitely do. Uh, before I, I get into that, I just want to say that uh, Ubisoft and Namco, some two massive publishers for these yeah. uh, these kids' games. But THQ anyways, was busy. Yeah, THQ was busy. Uh, yeah, I, of course I remember Curious George. There was a cartoon uh, Curious George show on one of the networks in Canada we used to uh, watch a lot. And I think that was on, like, 2003, 2004, maybe. I don't know if you remember this, Neil. But, um, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it was, like, I mean, it was maybe, like, just before the movie. But And I also had a bunch of Curious George books. I had one book that I read all the time that was the Curious George Goes to the Zoo. And that was really, really... Uh, I don't know why I read it all the time, but I loved that book, and I used to take it everywhere with me. And I think I actually had a little Curious George plushie. At some point, too. But, yeah, I have a, I have a big affinity with Curious George. He's a cool character. Uh, you always get into hijinks. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, for me, honestly, I always associate Jack Johnson, the uh, oh great song, singer-songwriter with the Curious George, with the, the classic song, Banana Pancakes. 
Yeah, was it banana pancakes or was it upside down? I'm trying to remember now, but I definitely, yeah, Jack Johnson and, and Curious George are intertwined in my memory for sure. And it's because of the movie. When the movie came out in 2006, I believe I said, yeah, 2006, uh, his songs were all over the trailers. And I saw those trailers a bunch because I think that they were advertised a lot on YTV. So I would see it every time I watched SpongeBob, but I thought it was upside down. Was I the think song both, honestly. Maybe. Banana pancakes is it's a great song. And that, and that fits. You know, he's he is a monkey. <laughs> that's true i wonder if it was written I, it specifically was yeah. for that movie. i'm yeah, like 99 awesome. sure <laughs> yeah for me curious george was always pretty low on the childhood cartoon totem pole like it was always i would always rather be watching arthur franklin berenstain bears like before watching yep. or reading about what curious george is up to so i never really got as into that franchise as some other kids did but all in all like a really good really good series i remember a few of the books when i was a kid being read those again like winnie the pooh i don't remember anything about them but yeah yeah, the, the characters are cool. Like, it's just just a monkey with no tail for some reason and a man in a yellow hat who would eventually be voiced by Will Ferrell in that movie, which is uh, really funny. Some mid-2000s Will Ferrell when he was really raunchy. Interesting how he was making that turn to child or children's movies. Yeah, I, I remember, um, or like, I remember like kind of looking back on that too, thinking like, wow, they made Will Ferrell uh, the voice of the man with the yellow hat. But I mean, he was an elf, to be fair. So like he That's had true. done children's stuff before. Uh, and he was fine in it. I, I don't really remember this movie, uh, to be honest. Like, very little of it. I think I have watched it before. But, yeah, this game, however, uh, mm. it looks really good. And yes. for one reason, and that's because it's cel-shaded. Yeah, fully cel-shaded 3D platformer, also mixed with some 2D platforming or 2.5D platforming elements, I guess. I love the level design in this game. Oh, it's yeah. all very – it actually reminds me of Taz uh, Most Wanted that we talked about about a year ago or so. Uh, a lot like that. Not quite as cell shaded. It's like something in between. I it looks say better win- than Taz. Yeah, it's better. It's like something between Wind Waker and Ultimate Spider-Man almost. Yeah. It's like that perfect balance in between. The characters all have the nice black outline, but they still look 2D. Um, I, I'm like you. I love the uh, the art style of this game. It kind of is like an art, a, a cell shaded Donkey Kong 64. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. That, that's actually a great way to put it. And on one of my cons, because it's a decent game, it's not terrible, but it's not great. Uh, one of my cons about this game is the fact that they kind of don't go that full platforming uh, Donkey Kong 64 or Donkey Kong Country style. Yeah. Like, the, I think there was a huge opportunity here to uh, to take that and make it something, uh, I don't know, fresh and new. But mm. instead, they kind of just went with a relatively generic movie tie-in licensed platformer and a huge collect-a-thon of course they use those dole yep. bananas uh interesting to see that dole is back sponsoring uh here because of <laughs> course dole sponsored all the bananas in super monkey ball um, right so yeah it was uh i don't know i feel i felt like there was more that they could have done with curious george i did want to say some stuff about with voice acting uh, no will ferrell as the man with the yellow hat and it kind of sucks because when you start the game off you hear Will Ferrell's voice, uh, and they kind of have mm-hmm. a cutscene from the movie, basically. And then you start playing the game, and the man with the yellow hat, of course, is still there, but uh, oh, it's not Will Ferrell anymore. It's uh, no. <laughs> someone it's an trying imposter. to, yes, yeah, it's an imposter. It's someone <laughs> trying to do an impression, not nailing it, obviously, because he's not Will Ferrell. Yeah, um, yeah, it's unfortunate because for the cutscenes, they went with scenes from the movie, yeah. which is Will Ferrell, and then. In the in-game cutscenes, they went with whoever the voice actor was trying to be Will Ferrell, and that's a dangerous thing to do. You're better off to either go all in with the voice actor or not. There's very few games where they switch between the two. Um, and as we talked last week with Chelsea, kids notice this. Like this definitely. is this is something that maybe 
uh, an adult will be like, oh, well, a kid won't notice it. Actually, I think a kid will notice it more than the adult will uh, yeah. just because they'll be playing it a lot. And also just with video games, there's so much repetition with lines. Mm-hmm. So you really do need to have that proper voice acting. One other thing for the voice acting was the tutorial lady who kind of kind of takes you through oh, everything. Yeah. She sounds like, why does she sound like Siri? She sounds yeah. like an automated like monotone <laughs> female voice sounds like a flight attendant or something telling you what to do. I'm not sure if that was supposed to be based on a character from the movie or not. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm assuming that's what they were going for. Uh, listeners can let us know if you're a curious George fan, please. Who is this lady's voice? Um, but yeah, it's too bad that the, the levels never kind of went full DK 64, like with some, uh, some rail, like rail levels, some on rail levels would be really cool. And even like a boss fight or two, like it doesn't need to be super violent, but it'd be fun to have Curious George fight something big, um, in the city, like maybe some kind of machine, like a crane, like he's not fighting it, but maybe you're like avoiding parts of it. Like that's really what the boss fights in this game are. It's, it's just moments of kind of difficult platforming. Um, like if you go to the last level in the game, it's basically just you're scaling up a wall and that's the yeah. end of it. But it's, it's, I guess the culmination of all of the things that you've learned in this three hour game, uh, at the very end. But I would have liked to have seen some boss fights in there because the level design is so cool. Like you get to go and explore like giant cruise ships and then like there's a museum in parts and yeah. then the city and the jungle, like these open environments are all really great. It would be just nicer if they could have filled it with a few, not enemies, but just something big at the end of it. A hundred percent. Yeah, there was honestly this game is basically Monkey Frogger in terms of <laughs> gameplay. Like yeah. there are a lot of levels uh, that look identical to Frogger, basically. Mm. Uh, and the number one problem with this game actually is a very specific gameplay element, and it's the double jumping. And the double jumping oh, in this yeah. game is super super annoying because it's one of these games, especially early two thousands, had this a lot, but. The double jumping was you needed to double jump at the apex of your jump. Yep. This was similar to a lot of kind of Lego games. Lego Star Wars games particularly were like this at the, the beginning of the decade. They, they obviously got easier after they realized that that's not the best way to do it. But mm-hmm. what I mean by the apex basically is that the high at the very highest point when you're jumping, you have to press A to jump once again or else that double jump will not work. And mm-hmm. that is extremely frustrating when you're playing a platformers type game like Curious George. And yeah, that that timing of button prompts is key for when you're jumping, especially from like rope to rope or platform to platform. And that's another thing too is like your jump is off, and also the camera in this game is not as tight as it could be. No, if this game has the potential to be a very or had the potential to be a very good 3D platforming game. Yeah, uh, because there wasn't really anything like this, like Donkey Kong 64. We haven't seen anything like it. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. We would love to see that type of game come back, but uh, like we don't see any any other monkey games really, except for Monkey Ball. Uh, and Ape Escape, but it'd be neat to see another Curious George game come out and actually be a proper Donkey Kong 64 clone. Uh, but I remember when we started this podcast, this was one of these games that you and I stopped at, and we were like, Curious George? There's a Curious George game? And we we threw it up on YouTube, and we're instantly surprised at the quality of the animation and mm-hmm. the, the scope of the levels and and the like what what George can do because I think exploring exploring a world as a monkey is just cool because monkeys can climb anything. It's almost like being Spider-Man, really. Yeah, I I, I my first thoughts were Ultimate Spider-Man when I saw yeah. this, of course, with the graphics being so similar, but also just yeah, the the gameplay and the the ability to have a bit of open world style. But yeah, it just ends up being that you're kind of stuck in these boxes collecting bananas. And yeah. um it's yeah, it's too bad. It's uh, I'd say Cruise George is Definitely one of our top missed opportunity games. 
Definitely. It had so much potential when we uh, found it back in 2020, <laughs> but uh, still a game worth checking out, but maybe not one that you'll uh, play to completion. But with that, Mike, I think it's time that we read the back of the case for Curious George and move on to our bonus game of the episode. What do you think? Mm-hmm, let's do it. All right. Curiosity is coming home. When the man with the yellow hat travels to Africa in search of a lost artifact, he returns with some unexpected cargo, a curious little chimp named George. Make monkey business as you help George and his friends find the one item special enough to save the museum from the bulldozer. Yeah, I couldn't really get the, the plot in this game. Uh, they, they, <laughs> again, the the intermingling of movie uh, clips and also just regular clips that they made themselves mm. really did not lend any any help for me. No, you had to see the movie, I think, to understand it, which is fine. I'm sure that most people who saw the movie were the ones who bought the game. And uh, if you picked up uh, Curious George, you also got a ticket to go and see the movie if you were if you uh, wanted to. Yes. So one of the another opportunity to see a movie if you bought the game. But moving on to our last game of the day is Franklin, a birthday surprise, which was released on June 16th, 2006, a very late GameCube game developed by Neko Entertainment. They also made the Charlie's Angels game, so that's all you need to know. (laughs) The game is published by Game Factory, also on PS2 and Windows. Uh, This game has pretty much zero reviews online. There's very little content about this game, actually, So, uh, but it's priced today at around $70, and it's more commonly found on PS2, so good luck finding a GameCube copy out there if you're if you're looking for it. But before we talk about this game, Mike, let's talk about our history with Franklin the Series. It's a six-season, 85-episode TV show, ran from 97 to 2004, created in Canada and France, uh, has a banger of a theme song by Bruce hey, Cockburn. Hey, it's Franklin. Coming to play. Oh, it's a really good <laughs> Is that theme who song. sings it, Bruce Coburn? Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, Coburn. Sorry, not yeah. Cockburn. <laughs> yeah, Bruce Coburn is the singer of that song. Wow. Uh, really good, really good, like, folksy Canadian song. Um, I adore Franklin. Well, so that's my biggest thing is it's it's a Canadian creation. Of course, yeah. Canadian songwriters singing that song, too. And it's not on North American GameCube. Uh, that was just a really weird one for me. So I'm, I'm correcting this, Neil. I'm making this a North American <laughs> GameCube game because yeah. uh, it, it really is weird that it wasn't. But yeah, my uh, experience with Franklin actually be, comes from when I was in French immersion school and reading ben- mm. Benjamin because that's his French name is Benjamin. Oh, okay. So uh, I read those books when I was a kid in French class, and I do remember seeing the show as well that that, uh, was out for a long time. And I I had a lot of those hardcover books. And it's funny Mm -hmm. because those book covers have now become memes all over the internet. (laughs) There's so (laughs) many good ones. Uh, Just just type in Franklin memes. We're not going to say any on 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 air they're a little little too not safe for work but uh and it's kind of hard to understand what's yes. going on uh, <laughs> if we're just reading off franklin titles so yeah just google franklin meme and you'll you'll look at it and think that it's just franklin book covers but <laughs> read the titles and and they're, they're very so good, good. <laughs> very good uh, you you reminded me of that too you're like yeah franklin became a meme and i was like what do you mean and you were like oh look at the because i was thinking like the arthur meme with the fist oh, yes no, you just mean the book covers which you could pretty much do with any other book but for some reason franklin became the butt of this joke <laughs> i just love it i love that it's a thing and yeah, no, I, I remember remember Franklin very well. I do remember that all his uh, his characters just had, uh, they were just named like their character, like it was like Rabbit and Beaver and Fox. And Goose. Like, yeah, I was like, come on, a little more original. But I guess Winnie the Pooh did huh. the same thing. Yep. Uh, although Owl can't spell his name. It's it's, it's a wool instead of Owl. But uh, oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Not, not too literate after all, I, I suppose. Know, yeah. Maybe that's yeah. dyslexia. Maybe that's like the learning disability he has. Oh, maybe. Maybe that could be it. Yeah. My earliest memories of Franklin, though, I, I read the books and I also had an audio book back like, Ooh, way before uh... Audible. Somehow, I guess my parents bought a, uh, a picture book that came with a tape, an 8-track tape, kids, that we used to play in the car that I would listen to. Wow. And it was about Franklin making his sword. Out of, like, wood and cardboard and sticks and everything else. (laughs) Sure, there's a book cover there. My favorite one is Franklin Ends Race War. Anyway. (laughs) Anyway, that was, like, my inspiration to, like, as a kid, building swords out of sticks and cardboard and, and and, you know, uh, wrapping paper tubes and everything. That's why I did it. I would make swords out of stuff because of of that Franklin book that I used to listen to going to t-ball games or whatever it was and... And they even included like some some music in there too. Maybe it was Bruce Coburn. I don't know. <laughs> um, one thing I didn't know, I learned really quick. One more thing about the Franklin franchise before we jump into the game is that Franklin was voiced by Noah Reed, mm-hmm. who's a Toronto-born musician and actor who actually went to high school uh, in Etobicoke, Mike, who which is where you grew up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and his first role, I think it was Etobicoke, but anyway, his first role was on Franklin, and he most recently performed guitar on uh, Schitt's Creek the yeah. sitcom with oh. Eugene Levy. He did the cover of Simply the Best. Oh my God. Wow. What a, what a connection. What a Toronto connection there. I love right? that. Nice little Toronto. That's a really good cover, by the way, listeners. If you don't know the acoustic cover of Simply the Best from Schitt's Creek, go check it out. Uh, it's really good. But yeah, I was blown away. I was like, holy crap. And uh, yeah, that's my fun fact about Franklin for today. Huh. Well, thank you, yeah. Neil. Yeah. Well, Franklin definitely has a lot of fun facts there for sure. But yeah, a very... Not a lot of fun games from Franklin. <laughs> not a lot of fun games. Very, very angry that this was not on North American GameCube. But uh, honestly, watching gameplay and watching reviews, the very few reviews that I could find on this, it's a bad game, Neil. Yep. Yep, absolutely. It's a short game uh, by today's standards. It's uh, two hours long or so. You have you have the adventure mode, which is uh, you helping Franklin prepare for a birthday party. It's always birthday parties in these games. I don't know what's right. going on. And then there's Recreation, which is a compilation of mini games. There's 15 of them. Uh, and there's a bunch of races and sailboats and scooters. There's hide and seek. Uh, there's word games. So it's definitely a kid's game through and through, unfortunately. But I do like the art style in the game, though. It switches between like a 2D and a 3D. It almost looks like one of the Franklin uh, picture books come to life. Yeah, it, it looks... I, I like the idea of it, but the mm-hmm. execution isn't great. Sure. Uh, it, it looks nice when it's like a still basically, but when you start yeah. moving, you're like, Oh my God. Fair. Uh, and, and, or when they actually have the voice at like the, the, the cutscenes, those look horrifying. Yeah. Uh, and the vo- voice acting is not great, but yeah, I do like that. They did go for that storybook style painting, uh, in the backgrounds and everything. But then, yeah, they weirdly tried to do, uh, almost pseudo cell shaded Franklin and, uh, yeah. other characters moving. So you could very easily tell like what was worked on and the other parts that were just background, which kind of took you out of it. Um, the, the gameplay is a lot of watering. <laughs> you're watering a lot of plants <laughs> and you're refilling this watering can, which takes a, a, a horrific 10 seconds to do. Which is so long in a in a video game when you're just mm. waiting to refill a watering can. Uh, there's constant little sounds when you're jumping, uh, literally every jump, so that gets annoying really fast. Yeah. Um, there's, I think the the crux of this game though, the worst parts about it, are the fact that at the end of each level, there's a mini game that's basically just like a Mario Party mini game, very yeah. generic, very standard. Uh, yeah. But you have to beat this mini game to continue. So it's it's basically just like a full RNG style uh, to try and end a level, 
which is just like it's like rolling a dice basically being like am i gonna end the level today no okay <laughs> like it, it's so strange I, I don't know why they tried to do it this way yeah i'm not too sure it is like a mix of many games in one because there's some 2d platforming there's some 3d platforming but you're still kind of a 2d character when you're doing the 3d platforming and then it ends with a mario party mini game so yeah it's definitely a lot of ideas wedged into one i don't know I don't know what the goal was for this game. Like <laughs> yeah. the, the, the TV series was pretty much dead at this point. Like yeah, 97 to 2004 was the TV series. This game came out two years after that. There were no Franklin feature films uh, from Damn what it. I remember. Never in theaters, but they did eventually make a horrifying CG reboot of this series. Oh, no. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, clips from that, but it's it's bad. Uh, it, it's really bad. And this is the only video game that we ever saw. So I think that that's probably enough from Franklin at this point. But I was thinking about it, though, Mike, and this may be one of the only video games that features a Canadian goose. Oh, yeah, probably. Yeah. See, it's another weird... Canadian uh, icon there. <laughs> yeah, another Canadian. Like, I love the, I, the look of a Canadian goose is cool. But my God, I hate those geese. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just watching a level where the goose is jumping around doing his thing. And I was just thinking like, I don't think I've ever seen a Canadian goose in a video game before. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I have either. I mean, even Untitled Goose Game just has a normal goose. That was that had the biggest potential to have a Canadian goose in it, but you're right. You just play as the standard white goose, yeah. which we don't really have white goose in Canada. We just have that one black and white one, and then you have swans, which yep. are worse than Canadian geese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. Again, they yeah. look nice, but uh, yeah, they're dicks. <laughs> they do look nice, and they are dicks. And one more thing I have to say about this game before I read the back of the case, and this is related to the back of the case, is that you don't see Black Times New Roman font on the back of a game case, do you? I don't think I ever have. Wow. No. Uh, minimum uh, effort here. Minimum effort. Let's hear it. Okay, it's a lot, but here we go. Franklin, a birthday surprise. Franklin wants to give his best friend, Bear, a surprise birthday party. Franklin is going to be very busy preparing for the party. This is a journal entry. He has to prepare the food, send out invitations, get the decorations, and do some errands. This is boring. He must get Bear to the party without giving away the secret. While getting ready for the party, Franklin has to progress through ten different levels, solving problems, and avoiding obstacles. His friends also want to play hide-and-seek, making it more difficult for Franklin to concentrate on his errands. <laughs> Yo, guys! Can you stop playing hide and seek, man? I gotta go get some food. <laughs> uh, the it's ridiculous. Worst mini game, though, I will say in the entire thing is the sprinkler mini game. Uh, mm. you, if you look up, it's a it's a funny, pretty funny video by Dantavius. Dant uh, Dantavius. I don't know how sure. you say his name, but uh, he is a YouTuber. He's got uh, he's got a game called Worst Game Ever Created Franklin Birthday <laughs> a Birthday Surprise on PS2. So I had to see it, of course. Uh, pretty recent. It was only last year that he put it up, and uh, he has a lot of footage of him playing the sprinkler mini game, which is just terrible because basically you are walking around the sprinklers with the other characters without uh, getting hit by the water. Oh no! And. You know, of course, it's like RNG, just a dice roll to figure out where the water is going. And if the water hits you, you're dead uh, immediately. Insta-kill. Love it. Insta-kill. So, of course, you're trying this over and over and over again. And I don't think he actually ever beat it, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, he did a good job. He tried. He tried. It's too bad because, like, when you look at the back of the case and even, like, just pausing YouTube, like, the game looks fine when it stops moving. Yeah. Like, it looks like it, it has potential when it's paused. <laughs> Honestly, that's a great way to describe this game. This Which game looks good when it's not moving. Such a shame. The theme of today is definitely wasted potential in a lot of games. But with that, Mike, are there any games that we talked about today that you suggest the listeners and our European listeners out there, good day, mate, or good day, governor, uh, look up um, <laughs> or pick up? <laughs> I would, uh, I mean, I would honestly pick up Piglet's 
uh, big game just to try that out. There's, it's got some issues, and there are there are actually a lot of not a lot. There's actually some videos like trashing the game uh, that I saw when, like That's for a few easy. reviews, and I was like, okay, come on, like this isn't th- that bad of a game. Uh, so I would if you can find it for like five ten bucks, I would I would pick it up. It's a it's a solid game, and if you'd like it, then pick up Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker because that's just a oh. better better version of that game. So very nice. Yeah, yeah, I love that parallel that you drew between uh, Piglet's Big Game and Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker. Definitely, Treasure Tracker is the yeah the standout of those two games, hands down. Uh, I would recommend the Piglet's Big Game too. I think that that looks like a, a, a bit of fun, at least here and there. But I, I think the Curious George game could be kind of fun, just something to do for a couple of hours. Um, it's a good-looking GameCube game. It's a there. All these games are pretty affordable, but that game has caught my attention since we started this podcast, and I'm glad that we finally got a chance to uh, to dive a little deeper into it. it. Still stands out for me. I'm sad that it doesn't feature Will Ferrell or Jack Johnson all the way through. <laughs> I think that if they had thrown banana pancakes into one of the levels. Uh, would have been really neat even if like there, there's a couple levels in there where george is dancing to some music in the street like that would be the perfect opportunity to throw jack johnson in there uh as a cel-shaded guitar player like how many <laughs> there were no musicians oh in the gamecube God. generation on on screen like we didn't get guitar hero so that would have been he would have been the only musician uh to uh, to have been featured that unfortunately been but nevertheless i would uh, yeah piglet's big game and uh curious george mm-hmm. are my picks but Mike, what do you think the future is of these series on Nintendo hardware? I know that we've said Winnie the Pooh is in Kingdom Hearts, but do you think that we'll ever get standalone Winnie the Pooh, Curious George, or Franklin games ever again? Well, I think there's no way we get a Franklin game. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I mean, who's, who knows how far the memes will take him? But uh, hmm. we don't, We I don't think we'll get a Curious George game for sure. That's, that's no. not going to happen. But we will, I will say that we will get a Winnie the Pooh game. You know, this is, like you said, the fourth biggest media franchise in the world. It clearly has name and brand recognition, Uh, clearly has had a lot of success with games and movies. They've always, there's never been, you know, a horrible Winnie the Pooh uh, media that has come out, right? It's always been quite consistent, especially with Christopher Robin coming out and kind of rejuvenating the franchise, so to speak. Uh, I think there's definitely room for a Winnie the Pooh game. And I personally would just love, 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 unironically, a Alice Madness Returns style Winnie the Pooh game, like not the horror aspects, but the the platforming aspects and the puzzle aspects. Okay. Uh, I think there's a lot to take from that game specifically. I think they are one of the masters of the 3D platform. Uh, That and I'd say Rayman Legends would be like the two games that I always think of who are the, that do collecting and platforming the best in the 2000s or in the 2010s, I should say. And I would love, and also just the art style too. Like the, the, both those yeah. games have tremendous art style and settings, and and you're really drawn into the world. And I think Winnie the Pooh, with the Hundred Acre Wood, like it's it's so iconic, right? And the characters are so iconic that mm-hmm. you, you one would just expect that there's so much stuff you could do with Winnie, Winnie the Pooh. And I know, you know, like I said, that they, he is in Kingdom Hearts three, and they are using him to a degree in that franchise uh, i yeah. think uh him and all the other characters who, who are really like you said really really well flushed out characters for the for for the time um i think they would be perfect inclusions into their own kind of big open world style platform version of a uh, hundred acre wood yeah i think a platforming game that's slightly creepy but not too creepy that kids can't play it is a really cool idea like the kind of art style that they had in the uh in the movie the christopher robin movie would yeah be cool I also like the thought of uh, like another chill game coming out, but like almost a farming sim for the Hundred Acre Wood. Like you're uh, you're building up a community 
with these characters like you're going to go check okay, out like, yeah. what's what's eeyore up to today and maybe you what's rabbit up to today he's farming okay i'm gonna trade some carrots with rabbit or something like i think that you could definitely do like a stardew valley game with the winnie the pooh skin or license i shouldn't say skin that horror <laughs> film is looking skin. that that horror movie is giving me ideas but uh no like uh stardew valley with the winnie the pooh franchise i think would be really neat get to know these characters a little bit more, have some conversations with Eeyore because that's always uplifting. I think that that would be a lot of fun. Uh, I know that I said that I would like to see another Curious George 3 platformer, but really what I'm saying is that I would like Donkey Kong to come out with a game already. Uh, I would love to see a monkey simulation game, uh, 3D or 2D at this point. I don't really care. Um, I think 3D is probably the way to go because it's been so long since we've had a 3D Donkey Kong game. And this game just like, it was not even close and it was scratching that itch so just imagining an actual donkey kong game coming out on switch or if it's a launch title for whatever nintendo does next i don't care i just want something like that to come out again but no i think uh like you said curious george and franklin are definitely never coming out again on (laughs) nintendo hardware but i think winnie the pooh does have a chance of being another kids game like this i have a feeling it'll be some kind of a birthday theme thing because that's what every kids game does when they need to come up with a theme for for children to play games and it'll most likely be either a party or a kart racing game is my prediction sadly (laughs) yeah they'll almost certainly put in some kind of kart racing (laughs) element into that game but i would i wouldn't mind racing as eeyore that'd be fun no, yeah. I mean, it, it, no, what you have to do, Mike, is all the characters are racing their own Eeyores because <laughs> that's what Eeyore likes to do on his birthday. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. He likes to get ridden around on his birthday. Wow, poo. Yeah. But, Mike, while I'm riding Eeyore around on his birthday, why don't you <laughs> let listeners know what they can expect next week on episode 105 of the GameCube School podcast? Next week, Neil, we finally get to talk about SpongeBob games on Woo-hoo. the GameCube. Uh, there are five of them. And uh, honestly, I like all five, but there's there's a couple in particular that I really, really want to talk about and I'm really excited about. Of course, SpongeBob was a mainstay in our lives uh, when it first came out to probably around the movie uh, coming out around that time. Mm-hmm. To, I'd say 99 to 2005. SpongeBob was, we were all about that. And uh, we were also all about the Star Wars prequel. So we just got to talk about Star Wars quite a few weeks ago. And now we get to talk about SpongeBob. And uh, we will, of course, be going into the whole world of SpongeBob, not just the games. Yeah, I'm super pumped to talk about SpongeBob. This has been an episode that I've looked forward to doing since we started this project, and we didn't know where it was going to be when we started, but uh, I'm I'm happy that it's near the, I guess, not the end, but uh, after we've had some experience podcasting, because we're going to be way better at talking about our memories of the franchise, all the cartoons, because we're old enough to remember when this cartoon came came out, mm-hmm. which is awesome. And yeah, we both loved it. Good time to be a SpongeBob fan and a uh, good time to be an adult fan of SpongeBob as well. It's going to be a ton of fun. And uh, Mike, I guess uh, that solves the uh, mystery that I guess I took a daytime Advil before the podcast because I have not crashed yet. You haven't crashed yet, Neil, but uh, I-, I think you're due for a nice sleep after this uh, this great episode. I hope you don't have dreams of Piglet screaming. Oh my God, dude, I might. Or the walrus from Pingu. Ah, oh, don't bring back my arch nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> I will try not to. But ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 104 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us a rating and a review so we can make the show better. You can support the show by going to patreon.com slash the GameCube was cool. All patrons get the show ad free and a little early. Thank you so much to everybody over there. You can follow us for free on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, and you can join the weekly conversation on our Discord channel. Just search the GameCube was cool. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Jim Cummings, Neil says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. See you later. Bye-bye. 
over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. What voice was that? Ooh. Was that Winnie the Pooh or Eeyore? Yeah, that was the. That was, I was supposed to do Winnie the Pooh, but Eeyore's is. Oh, um, nobody likes the GameCube. <laughs> what was his tail? Was it cut off and put back on, or was it like a fake tail? Was he born with that one? I think I think it was cut off and put back on. Oh my God. I don't know the lore. I don't know the Eeyore lore. The Eeyore. The Eeyore. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Got to find out more about that later.